Well, a very uh, warm welcome to all of you who are listening to our message this morning. We hope and pray that the Lord's people everywhere will soon be able to meet corporately once again and not have to put up with all of these unprecedented restrictions on our worship. If there was ever a time when the Lord's people needed to be together and to pray together, it is now. Nevertheless, our God is sovereign and he knows all things. This too has been noted in his annals of history. And as far as he is concerned, it will in no way jeopardize his plan for his church. So we need to trust him and his word to get us through to where we are meant to be. This week, we once again resume our studies on the book of Exodus, and we'll have as our main text, Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 to 27. So if you have your Bibles handy, would you all please turn with me to Exodus 18, 1 to 27, and we'll carefully read the passage together. Exodus 18, verses 1 to 27. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For the God of my father, said he, was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the Mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in this thing wherein they dwelt, dealt uh, proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow, that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law 
saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over such them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. And may God the Holy Spirit grant us the grace and the wisdom to understand the text before us. But as always, let's start with a word of prayer first. Father, we thank thee so much for the word of God that we have in our hands today, that it is divinely inspired and even divinely preserved, so that we can trust every word of it. Help us, O Lord, to understand this message before us this morning, to see what thy will is for each of us concerning this text. For we ask it in our Savior's name and for his glory. Amen. If you recall in our previous message on the book of Exodus, we looked at chapter 17 and saw some of the serious challenges which the Israelites faced as they journeyed from the wilderness of sin to a place called Rephidim. When they encamped at Rephidim, they began to murmur and to chide with Moses because they had no water to drink 
or water their uh, to water their cattle now water of course is a necessity to life without water man cannot live for very long so it was a very legitimate and a reasonable complaint however when panic sets in and there seems to be no solution to the problem then the nasty part of human nature begins to manifest itself and so the people became angry with Moses and accused him of taking them into the desert to kill them and their children and their cattle with thirst they in fact were so incensed at Moses that they were ready to stone him as we are told in Exodus 17:4 nevertheless Moses went to plead his case with the Lord and the Lord provided Israel with an inexhaustible supply of fresh water which flowed from the rock of Horeb after Moses had smitten it as per God's instructions no sooner it seems that one challenge was resolved that another challenge suddenly appeared a fierce warring tribe known as the Amalekites came to do battle with the children of Israel now as far as we know the Amalekites were the descendants of Amalek who was the grandson of Esau they were a nomadic tribe and a god-hating people and the arch enemies of Israel as we learn from their history thus Moses instructs Joshua to choose the most able of men to do battle with the Amalekites on the morrow well you know how the story goes Israel defeats Amalek with God's help of course and before the chapter ends Moses erects an altar to the Lord as a reminder and a tribute to God for the victory now we come to chapter 18 of Exodus and read in verse 1 when Jethro the priest of Midian Moses's father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt then Jethro Moses's father-in-law took Zipporah Moses's wife after he had sent her back and her two sons of which the name of one was Gershom for he said I have been an alien in a strange land and the name of the other was Eleazar for the god of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of pharaoh and Jethro Moses's father-in-law came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of god as the chapter begins we see Jethro Moses's father-in-law coming to meet Moses and he has Moses's wife Zipporah and the two sons Gershom and Eleazar also with him now if you recall Jethro was the priest of Midian and he had seven daughters one of which married Moses while in exile Moses spent 40 years in the desert in the land of Midian living with Jethro during that time Zipporah gave birth to two sons Gershom their firstborn and then to another son Eleazar 
Very little is recorded of Zipporah in the scriptures, and so our knowledge of her is limited. But what we do know about her, however, is very significant, for we have a very brief but revealing look at her feisty and strong character in Exodus chapter 4, verses 25 to 26. When Moses had been called by God to return to Egypt to deliver his people Israel, he and his wife Zipporah and his two sons had stopped at an inn along the way. And there the angel of the Lord met them and was about to slay his firstborn because Moses, for some reason, had neglected to circumcise his son. That was his sin. And it seems that he was not able to do it there and then either. So Zipporah took a sharp knife and circumcised her son instead. The experience had greatly upset her and angered her, for she displayed her disgust of her husband by casting the foreskin of her son at the feet of Moses and calling him a bloody husband. Nevertheless, because of her action, the Lord spared their son and let him go. It was most likely at that point in time that Moses sent his wife and his two sons back home to Jethro, realizing that they would be too much of a distraction and a burden for him in Egypt. So it has been now a long time since Moses last saw his wife and his children, and Jethro for that matter. We are told in the opening verse of chapter 18 the reason for Jethro's arrival with Moses' family. He had heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro had heard this wonderful news. He was proud of his son-in-law and delighted for his daughter that she had married well. What a tremendous blessing it is for fathers to know that their daughters married well and would be well provided for. Not only that, but we see a very special relationship here also between Jethro and Moses one of mutual love and respect. For 40 years, Moses dwelt in the land of Midian with Jethro and his daughter Zipporah. He not only labored for Jethro and was accepted into the family, but I'm certain that both had mutually benefited from each other's presence. We see the joy and the excitement in their reunion in verse 7. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. Please notice two very important things in this verse. First, who Moses was. Moses was a prince of Egypt who had been given the best of education money could buy. He was a leader in Egypt and had perhaps the second greatest power in the land. Though he had been exiled from Egypt for 40 years to live in the desert as a shepherd, he learned hardship and manual labor and survival in the wilderness. 
And when he returned to Egypt to deliver his people, God taught him obedience and humility. And then, and only then, did the Lord empower him to do miraculous deeds and caused him to be feared by the Egyptian people. Not many men can handle that kind of power and fame, but Moses could. And the key reason was that Moses was meek. Only once in all of Scripture are we told this, and that is in Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. No one had what Moses had. The scriptures are very clear. There was no one else on the face of the earth that was as meek as Moses. Now we have to be discerning here. The definition of meek can also have an undesirable connotation to it. But the word meek signifies patient of character, slow to anger, and submissive or obedient. And that is exactly what we see demonstrated here in verse 7 of chapter 18. When Moses sees Jethro, he goes out to meet him. He does not wait for Jethro. Moses goes to Jethro. And then the scriptures say, Moses did obeisance and kissed him. Nine times this word is used in scripture, and each time it has the idea of bowing down before someone. What an amazing picture of respect for one's father-in-law and demonstration of love. Moses also kissed him. All this was done openly and publicly for all to see, to witness the respect and affection which this man of God had for his father-in-law. Secondly, please notice that they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. This was a mutual sharing of experiences. There was no one-sided conversation about I, I, me, me but they shared each of their experiences during their absences. Jethro had heard what the Lord had done for Moses from others, and in those days news traveled very slowly. But now he was here face to face with Moses himself and would hear what really happened. This was, after all, one of the reasons he came to Moses was to get the real story, so to speak. And also, though Jethro loved his daughter and grandsons and cherished having them with him, he knew that they needed to be with Moses and that since Moses had delivered Israel out of Egypt, it would now be safe to bring them to him. And then in the next four verses, verses 9 to 12, we see the heartfelt gratitude of Jethro when he is given all the details on how God used Moses to deliver his people. Jethro, we are told in verse 9, rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. 
And that rejoicing led Jethro to then bless the Lord and confess that now he, Jethro, knew for a certainty that the Lord is greater than all the gods. What a marvelous declaration is made here by a Gentile, yet by one who still believed in the one true God. And what a contrast of reactions to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here we have Israel, who has so much to be thankful for, murmuring and complaining, while a Gentile rejoices for what God has done for Israel and for his son-in-law. Though he had faith in the Almighty before hearing what God did for Moses, Jethro's faith strengthened immensely afterwards. For he exclaims in verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. It's a wonderful thing to be able to know of a certainty that something is true. For the assurance of that truth sets the soul free from ever doubting its veracity again. Assurance breeds confidence, and confidence inspires action accordingly. That is why the Bible tells us in Romans 10:17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then in John 20, verses 30 to 31, we read, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now I want us to notice what Jethro did next. After his faith was strengthened by Moses' testimony, not only did Jethro rejoice in the Lord and bless his name, but he also worshipped him. Verse 12, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came, and all the elders of Israel, to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. What a marvelous scene to behold. Jethro, though a Midianite, was cheerfully accepted into fellowship with Moses and the elders of Israel. They all joined together in a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It is most probable that Jethro, being a Midianite priest, offered the sacrifices himself because he was not only a priest, but was also a worshiper of the one true God. And as of yet, the priesthood had not yet been established in Israel. And so we're also told in that verse, verse 12, that all the elders of Israel came to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. They ate bread. What kind of bread? Might it have possibly been manna, that bread which came down from heaven, that living bread which speaks of Christ our Savior? 
Oh, what a day of fellowship that must have been for Jethro to taste, to see and handle that manna, that bread of God, as he rejoiced with Israel in the goodness of God. Then it seems we have an abrupt change of scenery and setting. The next morning we read verses 13 and so on. Moses is seen judging the people. It was a very strenuous task, a very intensive one at that, one that lasted from morning into the evening. There were many affairs that needed to be settled, not only legal and social matters, but perhaps even domestic quarrels, etc. There was no law yet given. Rules of conduct and legal rights had not yet been established, let alone Israel's religious obligations. And so Moses sat hour after hour trying to adjudicate the different grievances, and there was no end to it. And as Jethro observed the onerous burden that Moses faced, he spoke privately to Moses about the impossible task, making some suggestions on the matter. First, he told Moses that this burden was too heavy for him alone, that he would not be able to do it continually. It would wear him out. It would prevent him from dealing with other matters, perhaps more weighty things. He recommends that Moses instead teach the people ordinances and laws and how they must conduct themselves, verse 20, and that he choose godly men able to make honest and wise decisions on the everyday affairs and make them rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. Here we have the beginning of government. Each will be responsible for certain issues, and the people will go, so to speak, to the proper department to present their cases. And thirdly, for those issues that cannot be resolved in such a matter, they would then be referred to Moses, who would appeal to God for judgment. Now we are told in verse 24 that Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses saw the reasonableness of Jethro's wise suggestions, and so he gladly implemented them with God's grace. All the small matters would now be judged by the chosen rulers, while only the hard causes were brought to Moses. The chapter closes with verse 27, And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. What a wonderful picture we have been given here in this account concerning Jethro, the father-in-law, and Moses, his son-in-law. Very rarely do we find such a close and precious relationship between such members of the family. Though Moses socially held the greatest position of fame and honor ever afforded to man, yet he was humble 
and gracious in his treatment of those of lesser status. In particular, his respect and honor and love for his father-in-law sets Moses apart from all the other great characters of the Bible. For 40 years, Moses learned how to be a somebody in Egypt. For the next 40 years, he learned how to be a nobody in the desert under Jethro's house. And now, Moses is learning how to be everybody. His obedience to a mighty God in Egypt taught him humility and how to be a vessel fit for the master's use. No wonder the scriptures tell us in Exodus 33:11 that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Oh, that only more of us would have such a relationship with our sons-in-law or our fathers-in-law. And now, before I step down from the platform, I need to ask you this. Do you know the one true living God as your Savior and Lord? And are you living in obedience to his word? Oh, dear friends, be sure where you stand. Either you are saved or you are lost. There is no middle ground. And if perchance you are not certain, then I plead with you, while there is still yet time, repent of your sins and turn to Christ by faith and receive him today as your Savior and Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, verses 9 to 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for this account of Jethro and Moses in the 18th chapter of the book of Exodus. There is much that we can learn from their example. And so we pray that as we meditate and try to picture ourselves in a similar circumstance, we pray that the Spirit of God will do his work in molding us more and more each day into the image of our blessed Savior. Part us now again with thy blessings. Once again, we ask, and if the Lord be not come, may it please thee once again next Lord's Day to reunite us around the word of God, we pray. For we always ask it in our Savior's name and for his glory. Amen.